You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Make it through this year. I think I'm gonna put this bottle down. I guess as time goes on, I'll grow to miss it less than I will now. And I think I'm gonna tell her that I'm gonna go away for a while. Till I can get this demon out. Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. I'm with you. I'm with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there. If you really want to get into that fall Halloween spirit, they got you covered at Peterbrook Chocolatier. All your favorite sort of ghostly trick-or-treat treats, all those things, those caramel-dipped, chocolate-dipped apples they've got for you there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by producer Jacob Harrison. Who together we combine to form the sixty bit Woo! A sports talk radio. Jacob, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing incredible, man. It's been a fun day so far, and uh, a lot of bad news coming from the Ravens. You know, my Steelers are, you know, they're gonna have a tough time now. <laughs> Jan and Gakwe coming over from the Minnesota Vikings, and it all started with my Jags. So you want to talk to me about bad news, Jacob? I mean, I'm a Jags fan. All right. And Jan Ngakwe, the Jags trade him to Minnesota for a second and a fifth. And now Jan Ngakwe, the edge pass rusher, is reuniting with Calais Campbell, a former Jag in his own right, up there in Bmore. So you don't like that. You don't like that as a, uh, a AFC North fan, I guess. I, I do not. Uh, I respect the <laughs> Ravens, but they've had the best offseason. And I remember very vividly that uh, that divisional game against the Jags where Kalias Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe and company tore up the Steelers. Can't do it again. Yeah. Uh, the, the oldest of ours, my son Evan and I, we went to that divisional playoff game at Heinz Field as Jags fans. Uh, very frigid day there, but an enjoyable day for the visitors. We actually were able to catch a Pittsburgh Steelers playoff game. I wish the Steelers didn't win at home. So we enjoyed that. But, no, it seems like, Jacob, that seems like 100 years ago now for Jags fans. Doesn't you know, it? A that team, entire defense team that made gone. the AFC championship game look to be right on the cusp of a lengthy run. And now look at us, Jacob. Look at us. It's rough. It's rough. Dis- dysfunctional. Dysfunction with those Jacksonville Jags. We're going to get into some college football talk, obviously, with you here on the program. You're welcome to join in at 205-342-9904. We're going to match up Tennessee and Alabama a little bit. We're going to get in line. We're going to get a little out of order ourselves. We're going to match them up a little bit. Tennessee and Alabama set for 2.30 on Saturday afternoon from Neyland Stadium. That, of course, will be a CBS broadcast. Uh, We're also going to talk with, we're going to go to Knox Vegas coming up at the bottom of the hour, around 1130. We're going to go up and talk with uh, our good friend Wes Rucker, covers the Tennessee Vols as a part of Go Vols 247, also a part of the 247sports.com network. So we'll get the big orange perspective. You know, is Tennessee really as bad as what we've seen from it? In these last six quarters, Benell scored 61-7. to 7. 
since the start of the third quarter in Athens. Is this team really that bad? You know, Alabama during this 13-game win streak has seen some bad Tennessee teams. I still don't think this Tennessee team is that bad. But the score is, the numbers are what they are. You know, the turnovers are what they are for Jared Guarantano. And so with that, we're still not sure, based on comments from Jeremy Pruitt yesterday, exactly who will line up behind center for the Vols on Saturday afternoon. I get the feeling it could be multiples. It's kind of been that way during this long streak anyway. I mean, you go back really throughout this streak, and you just look at the number of quarterbacks that Tennessee has used in these games. The streak started in 2007 right here in Tuscaloosa. That was a shocker. 41-17, Nick Saban's first team puts the beat down on Phil Fulmer's penultimate Tennessee team. You had Eric Ainge and Jonathan Crompton play in that game. Uh, And since, you've had combinations of Sims and Bray, Bray and Justin Worley, Nathan Peterman and Josh Dobbs, Dobbs and Quentin Dormady, Guarantano and Kellen Crist up in... Knoxville a couple years ago. Right here in Tuscaloosa last year, you had Tennessee play three different quarterbacks. All three of the guys they played last year are in the mix to possibly start on Saturday. I guess Brian Maurer is still dealing with a hamstring, so he may be the most questionable of the four. But you still have Guarantano, and you have J.T. Shrout, who threw a pick against Kentucky last week. And then, of course, the wild card in all this for Tennessee is true freshman Harrison Bailey, who is already being sort of hailed as... The next big thing behind center. But just look at all those names I just went through in this 13-game streak. Kind of speaks to the transition, the turnover, not only at quarterback, but at the head coaching position. Phil Fulmer, Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, and now you're into uh, Jeremy Pruitt. That's a lot of turnover in a 13-year stretch, isn't it? Even by today's standards of coaching turnover? At the Power 5 level, 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier if you'd like to jump on board with us. So we'll get into some heavy Alabama-Tennessee talk as we move throughout the program. You've got college football tonight, you know. I'll take Arkansas State at Appalachian State, Boone, North Carolina. If you've never been there, it's like a smaller Asheville, probably even more Bahamian. Cool little town, man. Boone, North Carolina, little little ski town, really. You've probably been to Beach Mountain, maybe Sugar Mountain, up there in the Banner Elk area. Yeah, you've got Arkansas State at Appalachian State. That's a 6.30 central kickoff on ESPN. I'll take that game over the Giants and the Eagles tonight. What about you, Jacob? You fired up for the Giants at the Eagles or maybe more so Arkansas State at Appalachian State. Uh, yeah, I'm not watching that Eagles game. I'm probably going to watch oh, the debate, man. to be honest. <laughs> That's rough, man. Giants at the Eagles. But the thing is, the NFC East is so bad, there's still playoff implications in a matchup of what? 0-5? Oh, the Giants are... The Giants are they no, got they, their first they, win they, last They got week. a win over the Redskins, didn't they? Yes, or over the okay. Washington football team. Yeah, the oh, excuse me, excuse me, Washington, Washington football team. Thank you, thank you. It's all good. And so, even with just one win, the Giants aren't out of it in the NFC East. But yeah, give me more, give me more Arkansas State, give me more uh, Red Wolves and Mountaineers tonight than uh, the the Sunday game on Thursday. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to have high school football this weekend. I know our Northridge Jags are slated to host homecoming 2020. Over there off Northridge Road. McAdory, alma mater of one Vincent Bo Jackson, set the venture over from the Bessemer area and take on the Northridge Jags. So you'll have a big weekend of high school football, college football, the NFL. You've had some news related to Alabama football from a roster perspective here in the last 24 hours. Second year nose tackle, Ismail Softshirt has reportedly entered the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, In some ways, a little bit of a surprise in that he's only in his second year. But if you watched Saturday night's game, which I know you did against Georgia, 
and you saw a couple of true freshmen in Tim Smith and Jamil Burroughs play significant snaps in a game against an opponent like Georgia, that was probably a pretty good indication of where Ish kind of ranked or rated in the rotation along that defensive line. And if you're a second-year player and it's a matchup against an opponent like Georgia and you're already seeing Burroughs and Smith take those reps ahead of you, in some ways the writing could be on the wall. I would typically I would typically preach a little more patience, at least get through the season and see how it plays out. But Sofshire apparently has made that decision to go ahead and enter the transfer portal. And again, that was an opponent on Saturday night, especially with LeBron Ray out. And also, you didn't see Fedarian Mathis really in the second half of that game, an issue of some kind, I guess, with Fedarian. And so you see guys like Burroughs and Smith getting those reps. Kind of lets you know, doesn't it? Also on the basketball front, hated to see the confirmation yesterday that Alex Chiku, the 6'11 freshman forward from France, uh, torn Achilles tendon for Nate Oates' men's basketball team over there at the University of Alabama, and he will be out for the season. And, you know, even if you look at it from a glass half-full perspective, you hate it for Chiku. I mean, you never like to see someone injured. Uh, But from the team perspective, you've still got some age in that front court. This is where being able to get Jordan Bruner in here as a grad transfer looks especially big. Not that Chiku was going to possibly play ahead of Bruner, uh, but Bruner coming in as an older guy, a productive guy there in the front court, Alex Reese is a senior. James Rojas is a junior college transfer that's coming off a knee injury that cost him uh, the 2019-2020 season. So you've got some age. You're not as deep now. And Chaku, the thing about Chaku is you can't can't teach 6'11 and the athleticism that he brings to that mix. I guess Keon Ambrose Hilton also, as a freshman, could – could stretch a little bit, help you in the post if you need it. So that's kind of the situation in the wake of Alex Chaku and that Achilles injury that will cost him the upcoming season. World Series game two last night. What about the Rays? How about James Ludeman's Rays with an answer for the Dodgers last night in Arlington, Texas? That was a really good baseball game, by the way. And I'm not typically anymore, even in the postseason, full nine innings guy in terms of being captivated and willing to sit there and just and, and take it all in. That was me pretty much last night, though. Those two teams, exceptional. I mean, they're there because they're chalk pretty much. Two best teams in baseball in this COVID-19 shortened season. But I thought that was outstanding baseball last night. And you're going to have game three, pivotal as they like to call just about every game in postseason baseball. You notice that? Every game, pivotal, game two, pivotal, game three, pivotal, game four. Well, at 1-1, I think it applies here. And you'll have Walker Bueller, the former Vanderbilt standout, going in game three for the Dodges. Charlie Morton, the former Atlanta Brave, going to get the ball for the Rays. That's tomorrow night. They get the day off. I was wondering if they might just straight shot it like they did the league championship series but that's not the approach so you'll have game three tomorrow night on fox first pitch set for 708 central we've also got some pga tour updates to try to get you as we move throughout really probably more so tomorrow uh involving former alabama all-americans justin thomas michael slick thompson they're playing in that zozo championship at shearwood that's out there in the los angeles area taiga in the field. That's kind of a, a home game for Tiger from back in the day anyway. So you'll have Tiger Woods, you'll have Rory McElroy. You're gonna have really all the, the top players in the world out there at the Zozo Championship. Typically contested in Asia, that one, along with the the CG CJ Cup that we saw last week, but because of the virus, they're playing those events in the States this year. Las Vegas last week and now 
again, Southern California this week. We're going to step aside for a quick break. We come back. More Alabama-Tennessee talk, more SEC talk. we got to get Rusty's home underdogs with the sharpest teeth out there for you as well. He has his four selections for the week. Rusty 13-6-1 on the season with his home dogs. We'll give you those. There he is. He's ready. He's been waiting on that. Waiting on you just to leave that door ajar just a little bit. We'll see if Rusty continues to have a little bite this week. Back with more Southern Fried Sports on a Thursday right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Koneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama wide receiver Jalen Waddell had another huge performance for the Tide on Saturday. He made six catches for 161 yards and one touchdown, where he went 90 yards for the score against Georgia. Waddle met with the media on Tuesday afternoon. Mac is a hard worker. He do all the right things uh, week in and week out. So him going out there and play like that Saturday, I'm really not um, surprised. Um, just looking at how he worked throughout the week. So Mac just being Mac. Uh, well, I think he does a good job just evaluating what the defense is doing. And um, he talked to us a lot. So he get our um, view of things and we go back and tell him what we think. So I think uh, we do a good job of communicating with each other to make uh, them type of plays happen. I'll have more in a moment. The Crimson Tide's newest partner is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Made in Evergreen, Alabama, Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast, Kaneka Sausage is now a tailgate grilling favorite. Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. The Crimson and Tide volleyball team will open its 2020 fall schedule on Wednesday with the first of two matches this week with 7th ranked Missouri in Tuscaloosa. Alabama and Mizzou will play at 6 p.m. Central on Wednesday on SEC Network Plus, while Thursday's match begins at 8.30 p.m. Central on the SEC Network. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sport. Mostly sunny and pleasant this afternoon across West Alabama. Highs in the mid-80s near 85. Tonight, mostly clear with lows near 66. And tomorrow, a few passing showers by afternoon. Highs near 82 degrees. I'm meteorologist James Spann on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Tennessee week, so yeah, Tennessee going to be your playlist theme for today's program. 205-342-9904 is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. Let's go there right now, check in with our pal Robert over in the ham. Robert, how you doing this morning? Hey, buddy, I tried to call you the other day, and uh, who's your, uh, Brent Beer, what's his name, Brent? I, yes. Y'all got long winded. Y'all held me out. I couldn't get in. But, uh, we, blocked, okay. we boxed enjoy, you out, Rob. Enjoy the show. Um, uh, observations from Saturday night. I'm going back. Two things I was going to ask you about. Uh, number one, uh, drinking tequila in the in the million dollar boxes is not a good idea. That's just just just, just throwing that out there. Um, number two, uh, we did play more zone Saturday night. 
And yep. so let me ask you a question: Do you have do you have a do you have access to the big film that we thought the coaches get, or do you just look at stuff on TV? I don't. I don't get the all twenty-two. Um, okay. So I, I don't. We have did play more zone that. the other night. We tried to mix it up a little bit. Here's played more underneath for, for sure. Didn't didn't get uh, linebackers no. matched up in man coverage as much. Yeah, that was bad. That was he. He he looked like about as athletic as you or I would be playing cornerback, trying to make trying to turn his hips and, and run with it. That that was not real. Yeah, crazy, that but. was an exception, and they were supposed yeah, to that trade that off. And There's no question for you. It didn't no, we don't call college kids out by name. We use their numbers. Number three, the the bad is he won't tackle. And the bad is he's in the wrong places all the time as far as his zone covers. The good news is the ball finds his hands on interceptions. <laughs> so is he? Is he in the really deep in the rotation, or is he is somebody going to play their way ahead of him? Because he does not. He like on that on the on the second quarter touchdown in the back of the end zone when the doubles when the zero tight end for Georgia did not yeah. sit down in the, in the hole. Number right. three and thirty two are both on the sidelines. Like three should have been in the back right quarter of the end zone, and Dylan should be on the sidelines or vice versa. I got a feeling mm. thirty two was in the right spot, three was not. So three is not lined up right almost every time of what he's supposed to yeah. do, and he won't tackle. So I didn't know yeah. if you think he is moving on the way out or are they going to work with him because he makes interceptions. Well, I think three had to start for sure because nine was out for the first half. Right. So someone had to call, make the calls, right? right. As we talked about before the game. It wasn't going to be a true freshman. It wasn't even going to probably be a second-year player in DeMarco Helms. So right. we saw battle back in there in the second half. I think that's that's to be continued. You know, number three. You think number three? Yes, I think I think Brian Branch is going to continue to maybe show up more and more, especially if he's going to do what he did on special teams that no one else on kickoff coverage did. Saturday night, if you right, know, Brian Branch, Brian Branch made a tackle on a kickoff. Right, that will yeah, help him more tackle than anybody. On one of those yeah. big runs up the middle in the first half, I think. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. three was out. Was you know, the, the, you know the cornerback or the guy somewhat outside the box. He mm-hmm. came down the pinch, you know, by five yards, you know, down the line, you know, you know into the secondary, and he he could have hit the running back, and he just didn't want to. Yeah, do he's, it. he's he really, right. He, right he, he doesn't hit. He doesn't tackle. There's, there's, there's no, I don't, I don't think anyone would question that. And so, yeah, I, I, I will say this, as far as safety goes, I think battle right now is the only certainty, assuming he's healthy to go wire to wire this season. Right. I think, I think the other spots, uh, whether you're talking about the other safety, maybe even the money position in the dime with Ellums. Right. Uh, I think I think that could continue to evolve. I guess we could say maybe process. maybe okay. it stays the way it is. Maybe guys start you know being more consistent in in doing what they need to do just from a fundamental perspective. But if well, they don't, Saban has shown us over the years when our cornerback uh, from Hoover High School that was talented more than you and I, but not. Probably much more. He's listening to the show. I'm, I'm not kidding with him. I don't remember his name. Um, Will, Will uh, Lowry. He calls his own. What, what's the guy's Will, name? Uh, not Reamer, but um, yeah, yeah, Will. Will, great guy. Uh, he, he's in the medical device business, like me. I know him. Uh, he, I think it's who the guy I'm talking about, but no hey, different we, guy. But he, but can, he, at least would line up in the right spot, and that's why he, he plays. Line up and tackle, you know? and and he could also communicate back yeah. there. When he was in the game, and and, and that, make that's sure everybody right. but, hey, was yeah, in the, 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 key the right up, spot. The key up from sundown till eleven o'clock Saturday night. Um, just sipping on it. That's just not you know. It's just not. No, it doesn't life matter. One forty-two. Not don't don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Tequila doesn't care. Tequila is yeah, not those, sentimental. Yeah, uh, those boxes are pretty cool. Have you seen them though? Have you been up there to them? I, I haven't been in the the newer ones. You know, yeah, we're, the we're not new all, ones that have the names. Yeah, all it, from it, the, it, the, it, the Magic Kingdom. Per, Robert, pretty you know, hot cotton, man. I'm, I'm just an invited guest, trying not to do anything. Some of us, some back, of us so. are just part of the <laughs> the humble masses. You know, we're not yeah. all from Mountain Brook. So, all right, man. Yeah. Y'all be good. See all ya. right, thanks, Robert. Take care. There he goes. I like how he got the humble brag in there, Jacob, about the million dollar boxes. You know, he kind of tied it into tequila, but really, it was. You know, I thought it was well done. That was that was almost craftsman like. In yeah, getting that, uh, yeah, 
hey, look, if you if you got the access, why not talk about it? Absolutely. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. We always enjoy hearing from Robert. Always brings up some good stuff. And the secondary, we'll see this week. You know, it shouldn't be as much of an issue against this Tennessee offense. What it should really come down to defensively for Alabama on Saturday afternoon is fitting gaps, fitting run plays, making tackles. And, you know, Tennessee, and we'll talk with Wes Rucker of Go Vols 24-7 coming up in just a little bit. I think everyone involved with that situation up there anticipated Tennessee through four games running for more than 135 a game. They haven't done that to this point. With that offensive line, with some experienced, talented backs coming back, knowing that they didn't want to put it all on the quarterback position. Decent playmakers. Josh Palmer's made some plays on the outside. A couple impressive plays against Georgia a few weeks ago. But this was always going to need to be more along the lines of 2008 Alabama for this Tennessee offense. And it hasn't produced to that level. But I'll say this. I don't think Jim Chaney and the offensive staff for Tennessee looks at this Alabama defense like it has maybe in the past and said, look, even though that's kind of our identity, we're going to have to get away from it probably more than we would like. I don't think they look at this Alabama defense so far and think that, especially if they've got the old Miss tape like everybody else does. Tennessee's going to stick with that run game on Saturday. And even if it becomes a two-score game, as we've talked about, Tennessee's going to keep running it. And Tennessee's going to run it with tempo, too. You're going to see some tempo from Tennessee, especially in the run game. They get that thing going downhill, they're going to run up, line up, run it again. That's what you're going to get from Tennessee Saturday afternoon. We're going to head to the break. And when we come back, we're going to head up to Knoxville and talk with the aforementioned Wes Rucker. Get some Tennessee talk from Wes. When Southern Fried Sports returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back about 18 and 25, I left Tennessee very much alive. I never would have made it through the Arkansas mud if I hadn't been riding on a Tennessee stud. Had some trouble with my sweetheart's paw. One of her brothers was a bad outlaw. I wrote a letter to my uncle Fudd. And I rode away on a Tennessee stud. The one and only, the man in black. The Tennessee stud was long and Johnny lean. Cash. The color of the sun and his eyes were green. Born in Arkansas, he along with the likes of LeVon Helm and Paul William Bear Bryant. And making that road trip to Missouri a couple weeks ago, Johnny Cash's birthplace is really just kind of north of Memphis there as you get into Arkansas, headed up towards St. Louis. And uh, they got it designated for you if you want to get off the interstate there. Check it out sometime. It's a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. Something that's been bothering me, you know, look, it's 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 not even secondary to everything else that's going on during this pandemic. But, you know, the the trips to the grocery store since the COVID-19 hit, I kind of expected that the paper products initially, remember, paper towels, toilet paper, they were like gold, you know, if you were able to procure any of that stuff. But as we've gotten more into this thing. There's other items, you know, like coffee creamer. Who's taking all the coffee creamer from the Publix, for crying out loud? All I want is a small canister of the sweet Italian cream, you know? You would think I'm mining gold or something every time I go to the Publix. Jacob, have you noticed anything like that? Is there something that's on your grocery list 
that's non-paper related that it seems like if you go to the grocery store right now, there's a one in five chance it'll be there for you? No, I can't say that I do, and, and I'm not a coffee person, but I feel bad for you if you can't get your yeah. freezer, man. I mean, that, isn't, that a, isn't that an awful wine with everything else that's going on? It's just something I've noticed. You know, there are some hoarders out there, man. They're just absolutely filling up these refrigerated storage units or something with coffee cream. Jeez. Let's ask Wes Rucker about that. Senior writer for Go Vols 24-7. What about it, Wes? Are you are you uh, running into shortages maybe up there in the Knoxville? Well, I got area? a couple. Yeah, I got a couple things for you, Travis. First off, you were talking about birthplaces. I think my birthplace in uh, Lieutenant Aldo Range, Manorville, Tennessee, population two thousand four hundred and thirteen. I think that's not designated on any map anywhere. So <laughs> don't need to worry about that. And uh, secondly, uh, yeah, I've noticed all kinds of things. Actually, coffee creamers, one of them. Uh, you still can't get like any kind of paper product uh, in some cases. There They're are so hard. many random things that are just driving me crazy when we can't get them. You know, I've become a fan of the Greek yogurt frozen bars. And someone up here is absolutely mass ordering these Greek yogurt chocolate fudge brownie bars that I like. I mean, it's like... Every time I go to the grocery store, there, there's none. And now I'm becoming that person because when they're in, I'm grabbing three boxes. I don't need three boxes of Greek yogurt, chocolate fudge brownie bars, Wes. I didn't know those existed. I got to tell you, my wife is made up of probably 70% fizzy water and 30% Greek yogurt. So <laughs> we'll probably buy those. Oh, how about we talk some Alabama, Tennessee? I know it's the third week in October, even if it is the, what, really, the fourth week? That's kind of the way we, we do it regardless. But um, I talked about it earlier, and the, the, the thing is, despite the last six quarters, I look at this Tennessee team, and I'm still not convinced it's that bad. You know, I think of it more in terms of probably – the 10 quarters that preceded the last six, where, where are we at with this Tennessee team? Am I, am I wrong on that in your opinion? No, I don't think you're wrong. It's just, you know, we have sort of a recency bias. That's sort of a natural thing to have. And, you know, they were one team, the first 10 quarters, and they were another team, the past six quarters. Well, the past six are the most fresh. They're the most recent, you know, so, so yeah. they're the ones that are kind of stuck in the mind a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, there's no question that the Tennessee team, if the Tennessee team from that six quarters hosts Alabama on Saturday, uh, you could be looking at something almost like Clemson, Georgia Tech-ish, if that team shows up. I mean, that team for the past six quarters has been hot garbage. Now, the first ten quarters of the season, that was kind of more like the Tennessee football team I, I think a lot of us thought we would see you know there's there's some they've added talent to the program they're certainly bigger and stronger you know maybe could use another explosive playmaker or two on offense i think those might be underclassmen who are who are coming along and learning things um but a team who should be competitive against just about anyone now if bama goes up there and drops 50 or something like it can do any week maybe that game gets away from them but in a normal game, you saw in the first half against Georgia, they can compete. But if they're going to turn the ball over three, four times and a half, I mean, they're they're cooked. They they're not Bama. They can't come back from that. Kind of anticipated with that offensive line and the running backs that were coming back, and maybe some additions that you know this Tennessee offense would really produce at a high level on the ground. And to this point, I guess we're talking about a little bit less than 135 yards per game. And that skewed a little bit because Georgia was just so dominant in in, in keeping UT to minus one yard of, of rushing total uh, a couple of Saturdays ago. But, um, you know, talk about that area, this offense especially, because, again, that was sort of the expectation. And I know the offensive line has caught some heat because it was hyped in such a way, but – Frankly, when I look at Eric Gray, Ty Chandler, you know, not that Tim Jordan was in the same neighborhood as, say, a Reggie Cobb or Arian Foster or any of those guys, but I I felt like he ran in a way that would complement 
an approach like this may be better than the backs Tennessee has. I think there's probably some truth in that. You know, we, we jokingly called Tim Jordan the buff hamster uh, because if you remember that family guy's team with the buff hamster, Tim Jordan was probably about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, it seemed like, but he was just he, – he's as wide as he is tall almost. and He's got no neck, just a really strong dude. And, you know, he occasionally tried to get a little cutesy, but you saw last year against Bama another time, when he wanted yeah. to just kind of put his head down and go, he, he could he could push the pile a little bit. He could get some yards. And, and that is a guy that they need kind of a wham back in there. And, and they can't really use uh, Colveris Crouch in that role anymore because now, instead of just being an edge rusher on the other side, he's one of your starting inside linebackers. So you, you can't go away from, you know, you can't be risking him in that situation. He needs all his attention in the defensive film room. So they don't, you know, they got Lanith Whitehead maybe if he comes along later, big, strong freshman. He, he's coming back from a, a pretty nasty foot injury. Maybe he'll be back later in the year. You know, they just don't really have that big kind of physical back. And, and, and the, the puzzling thing about that, Travis, is, that's the kind of back Jeremy Pruitt has said from day one that he wanted to get. Exactly. He wanted yeah. he wanted to get more of those guys. And, and for whatever reason, it, it just hasn't happened. And, and that's weird because just about every other place where he said, I want to change this position or that position, he's done that. You look at those critical factors, those size things, he's done that at just about every other spot. It's just that, you know, they haven't figured out the quarterback situation and they need bigger backs. And that's kind of where they are. And that's kind of shown up too, right? And pass protection. Watching the Georgia game, yeah. it certainly did. And I know, again, mm-hmm. that's another area where we throw maybe Tennessee's offensive tackles under the bus a little bit. And granted, in watching what I have of Tennessee, those guys haven't been great. But, you know, you've got to have that kind of guy to help protect the, the quarterback too, right? Oh, absolutely. And I'll do you one better than that also. The tight end situation um, yeah. at Tennessee right now is – you know, they lost, obviously, Dominic when Anderson lost and went on to the next level. And Austin Pope's supposed to come back and be the dude there. And, well, he's he's banged up. He's had a, a back surgery. He's out for, you know, probably this whole season. And behind him, they just – they got young guys who aren't ready and, and older guys who really haven't developed the way they wanted them to. And, you know, when you watch Bama on offense, for instance, you, you see – so many other dudes around, so many explosive playmakers, but those tight ends do a really, really nice job, I think, for Bama. They do what you need them to do, and Tennessee is not getting that either. So so pass pro with the bigger backs would help. Pa- you know, pass pro with, with better tight ends would help. Uh, and Garantano is sort of making his own bet in so many ways, but the pass protection in front of him has not been great either. We look at these Alabama wide receivers. You kind of touched on it there. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and now John Mechie coming up into that trio. But, you know, this is a Tennessee defense at last check, ranked second in the SEC in pass defense. Bryce Thompson, Kenneth George Jr., Sean Schamberger, Alante Taylor. These are guys, especially on the outside, that have played a lot of football, Wes. So, you know, when I hear concerns about this Tennessee defense and going up against this trio of Alabama receivers, is it more about the safeties, the middle of the field, than it is out on the perimeter? 100% accurate, yes. Uh, and, and beyond that, it's also anytime Bama can get a matchup against Tennessee's linebackers one-on-one in coverage, um, yeah. that's a, an area that you just have to exploit because it's it's open there for the taking. I know Toto had that great pick six in the first game, and he's just a phenomenal player there at the inside spot. But uh, Tennessee's linebackers in general, including Toto, are guys who can get beat in pass coverage. So that's one area. But, yeah, I mean, I you know, Tennessee got really, really, really handcuffed by COVID in camp. Um, they had a couple days where they only had a couple of scholarship DBs available, and that's normally one of their deepest positions. So that should tell you, how much the contact tracing red flags just ruined, you know, a good chunk of camp for them. So they went into the season. McCullough, Tank McCullough, barely got cleared for the first game. He just came back in time after missing a ton of time, and it showed. Uh, he just, you know, he hadn't been kind of what everybody thought he could be um, so far this season. Uh, Trayvon Flowers is a guy I like, the guy who's got to take it to the next level. Theo Jackson's a guy who's been around for a long time, played a lot of football, really smart kid maybe not the best athlete um, that you're going to see at that position. Uh, Danico Slaughter, I think, is going to be a really nice nickel, but he, um, you know, is just not quite ready yet. 
which wouldn't be a big deal except for Sean Schamberger missed the first two games of the season uh, and just now came back and is still a little bit rusty. So long story short, Tennessee was supposed to be able to rely on two things above all of the season, the offensive line and the defensive backfield. And those two areas uh, against Georgia and against Kentucky both kind of left a little bit to be desired. So if you want to get from where Tennessee is now to where Tennessee wants to be, you got to rely on your best groups to get you there, and, and they got to get more out of that. I think they will uh, because I think Pruitt and Ansley are really good secondary coaches. I think they've got the pieces there. They just they got to put it together quick because if they don't, this is going to get ugly Saturday. With that in mind, who, who's going to play quarterback? I talked about it earlier in the show. I mean, <laughs> you can go through this win streak for Alabama, and it's amazing how many different quarterbacks Tennessee has used. Uh, really, just in general, since the end of the Phil Fulmer era, um, what, what's the feeling up there? Is it still Guarantano? Is it going to be maybe Brian Mauer getting healthy enough, or is it is it Harrison Bailey time? Is is the true freshman? I don't think it'll be Harrison Bailey time unless that game gets out of hand. I might be reading that wrong, Travis. I might, but I I just don't get the sense in the program. I mean, it's not like they're coaching out of fear, but I think they're coaching out of common sense. And they know they get a bye week after this week. They know that now Georgia and Bama will be in the rear view and they can kind of start building. I don't I don't know why you throw Bailey out there this week unless you're saying, screw it, let's just go have some fun. Um, you know, I, the closer that it gets to being Saturday, the more I start to wonder if they're not just going to go to Garantano again, which I tell you, if, if you're one of the few traveling fans who has tickets for that game and uh, you have kids and you don't want them to hear language, just be careful anytime they, they, that two strolls out on the field right now because it's, <laughs> oh, no. it's gotten pretty nice. It's gotten pretty nasty um, a little bit, you know, because, I mean, and, and it's not fair to the kid, but he's been at Tennessee for like 47 years now, and yeah. it's just he's been the guy in the middle of so many just bad things, whether they were his fault or not. Uh, it's just kind of gotten difficult because you, you want a fifth-year senior. The reason you're playing him is because of his experience, and you would think that he would be able to not do – really, really bad, really dumb things. But he still is staring down receivers. He's throwing into double coverage when he has five guys out on the route. He's throwing 50 yards across the field to move the chains on a third and four. Uh, He's, you know, just, I don't know if he even looks at half the field sometimes. He's just, there's an awareness, uh, sometimes situational awareness that is just not there. And my question is, if you're supposed to be sort of a game manager type and you're not managing what are you doing? And, and so my problem, though, is not with Garantano because I think he's been at Tennessee long enough to show who he is for the good, for the bad, and everything in between. My question is why is that the only option sometimes? Why do they feel like they have to keep going back to him? Uh, they got to develop guys better. they they got to get I, – I, I really like the Salter kids, the seniors that they've got committed. Uh, I think Bailey's a, mm-hmm. a solid prospect. They've got some options, and Mauer's a guy who, if he can ever figure out what he's doing, man, he's a fun athlete to watch. Um, but it, it's where are they? It's I've seen Jim Chaney work a miracle with Jonathan Crompton. I've seen him do it. I saw him take a guy off the scrap heap and get him drafted in one year. But I, I don't know what's going on right now because you know Garantano just has these bad habits that he falls into, and they're just they're game killers. You said it about the traveling fan base coming up there. How how different is that experience with what's going on? It's certainly different here, but the town on game weekends, um, the vibe, the environment, the atmosphere in general, how, how much has that changed this year? It is infinitely easier to park. I will tell you that much, Travis. Uh, that, you that is – you know, and I'll give them credit. Tennessee, for, for being in the size city that it's in here, you got almost like a million in the metro area, and you got 100,000 feet stadium right in the middle of it. They do a pretty good job getting you in and out, um, I think, relative to some other places in the league. Um, but right now, it's obviously much easier. The the town, you know, every, everybody's family is different. My wife and I, until this thing gets a little better, we're not going out much. Um, so, so, uh, you know, it, it's just, everybody's got their own opinion on that and what they feel like they need to do. That's what we're doing. We're being cautious, but you know, I, I, it's definitely different. You see some people tailgating, 
you, you hear some music, you know, you, it, it's not like it's a ghost town, but it's a shell of itself. And I think really, with the exception of, of maybe at times the student section, I think they've actually done a pretty good job of keeping the crowd distanced there in Neyland. Um, you know, they, it's still 23 or whatever it is, thousand, but, but they do a pretty decent job of spreading them out. And, and so it, it, from that standpoint, I get it, and I'm totally on board with why they're doing it. But, um, you know, one thing that maybe Tennessee normally going against Alabama could hope for is that the crowd can be fired up and it's a big, imposing, tall stadium. You know, because Neyland's not wide, it's just tall. It goes straight up. And mm-hmm. that creates kind of a it creates kind of a different environment, but it's not going to be there for this game. It's just not. Um, so it's going to be different. And and that's, you know, kind of the home team has got to bring its own energy in some ways, I guess. But it, it's not like a ghost town, but it, if this is your first Newland experience, it, it won't be anything like it normally is. Well, Wes, we always appreciate the time, my friend. Always good stuff with us here on the program. Always great stuff from Wes and his outstanding Colleagues there at Go Vols 24-7. Wes and I also uh, combined on a podcast here in the last couple of days, so you'll want to check it out over there as well. Hey, Wes, thanks again for the time, my friend. Anytime, Travis. You know that, my man. There he goes, Wes Rucker, senior writer for Go Vols 24-7. Going to take a break. When we come back. We'll put a wrap on a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Okay. Mostly sunny and pleasant this afternoon across West Alabama. Highs in the mid-80s near 85. Tonight, mostly clear with lows near 66. And tomorrow, a few passing showers by afternoon. Highs near 82 degrees. I'm meteorologist James Spann on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Show as always brought to you in part by Houston Hydrosteam. 205-553-9460. That's the call to make right now. Take care of the rugs. Take care of the carpets. Take care of the grout, the tile, the upholstery, everything in your home or office. Home and or office. Houston Hydrosteam can handle that for you. Houston Hydrosteam, quality work you can stand on. 205-553-9460. And we were talking with Wes Rucker of Go Vols 24-7 in that previous segment about the fan experience and how much it has changed in Southeastern Conference football in the year of the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, look, I'll tell you this, checking out StubHub here just in the last few moments, the ticket prices aren't uh, aren't all that cheap. The Alabama folks must be gobbling them up. Cheapest get-in right now, if you're talking about a pair of tickets for Saturday's game at Neyland Stadium, the cheapest get-in on StubHub for two, including fees, those pesky fees they hit you with, 164 each. For the upper level end zone is what you're looking at right now on the stub hub. 164 each on a pair. So there you go. That's the best you're going to do right now. Hey, we told you Rusty has his uh, home dogs with teeth, potential teeth for the upcoming college football weekend. So we'll go ahead and get those to you now as we wind down on a Thursday. Yeah, all right, Rusty. We didn't forget about you. Settle down. Jacob, do you got those peanut butter bones in there that he likes? He likes yeah, those peanut butter I'm not, bones. I'm not All sure right. I'm going to be able to settle them down, though. He's pretty fired up. 
Yeah. That or the snossages. He likes those snossages, too. But, uh, all right, Rusty. We're going to get to him. Rusty likes, for the home underdogs this weekend in college football, he likes Wake Forest getting the nine and a half against Virginia Tech. He likes Texas Tech out there in Lubbock getting three against West Virginia. He does like the Tennessee balls on Saturday afternoon. Getting the 21. Rusty says take Tennessee in the 21 at home against Alabama. And he likes Minnesota in one of those Big Ten openers this weekend. He likes the Golden Gophers. The 2020 Outback Bowl champion, Minnesota Golden Gophers. He likes Minnesota getting three with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan coming in there to Minneapolis. So there you go. Now, we told you yesterday, I asked Rusty about Auburn, you know, and I asked him about Ole Miss getting the three at home this weekend with Auburn coming to Oxford, and he said he doesn't know. One growl from Rusty is yes, two growls from Rusty is no, and when I posed Auburn minus three at Ole Miss to him, it was a very quick, a very quick two growls from Rusty. There it is. There they are. So I told you, he he loves Auburn laying the three at Vaught-Hemingway. He just thinks Tank Bigsby's going to go for 200-plus. He thinks Bo Nix won't play hero ball. And he thinks Kevin Steele has a grasp of zone defense after watching the tape of Ole Miss, Arkansas. He thinks that Matt Corral will throw it to those Auburn defensive backs a few times like he did in Fayetteville last weekend. Yeah. All right, Rusty. We got the peanut butter bones, the snossages there for you. Jacob's going to take care of you. He took care of us here today on the program. Thanks again to Wes Rucker, Go Vols 24-7, joining us here on the show. Uh, we've got a lunch whistle for you on a Thursday. It's a Thursday, so I'm going to tell you about Eat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Look, you can do the takeout thing, but they are open with dine-in hours starting at 4 o'clock during the week. And then on the weekends, you can do lunch. You can do game days. You've got the all-day happy hour on NFL Sundays there at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. <laughs>